One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today's guest expert is Dr. Benjamin Zeller, Associate Professor of Religion at Lake Forest College and author of Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion. He's also featured in the recent HBO documentary series, Heaven's Gate, The Cult of Cults. Let's hear what he has to say. Hi, Dr. Zeller. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So can you start off by giving us some background on the two leaders of Heaven's Gate, Marshall Herf Applewhite and Bonnie Lou Nettles? Yes. So Bonnie Lou Nettles and Marshall Herf Applewhite, correct? Um, Herf um, is the pe- person we usually think of. He's the one that lasted into the end, 1997, with the exits. But uh, the often forgotten co-founder is Bonnie Lou Nettles. So uh, they met in the 70s, and a bit on each of their backgrounds, uh, Marshall Herf Applewhite was the son of a very popular Presbyterian preacher in Texas. Uh, So he's raised in a very uh, devout religious family. He goes on to seminary, actually, so he studies to be a minister like his father. But his love is music, so he drops out of seminary, and he ends uh, up—he's briefly in the Army, but then he goes and gets a master's degree in music from the University of Colorado. Uh, And he goes into music theater. Um, He is just a deep lover of anything musical, music theater. He is uh, bisexual— 
Uh, he is out of the closet by the time he uh, he meets Bonnie Lou, at least within the um, within the musical theater community in um, in Texas in Houston where he's living. Um, when he meets her, um, he is going through a separation. Uh, so he uh, he was married. Um, he had uh, children. And his marriage was falling apart, uh, not just due to his sexuality, but that was certainly part of it. Um, but he really felt like he was sort of at a crossroads in his life, wasn't sure what he wanted to do. He ended up getting fired from his job. Uh, so he's sort of, he's at a loss when he meets Bonnie Lou. Bonnie Lou is a nurse. Uh, she is uh, has sort of a conventional Baptist upbringing, but she gets involved in theosophy uh, and astrology when she is an adult. Uh, so as an astrologer, she believes she can chart the future of, of her clients uh, but she's a special sort of astrologer. She is a channeler. So she doesn't do it on her own. Uh, she is able to communicate with spirits from beyond the grave who can help her to uh, chart the future. Uh, so she is a channeling uh, spiritualist, you would call her. Uh, and uh, when they meet, she does the chart for, uh, for her. And uh, she says that we are destined to work together as partners. And that's the beginning of Heaven's Gate. They become spiritual partners uh, based on her uh, telling of his future and her future. Herf and Bonnie find inspiration for their calling in the Bible's book of Revelations, the two witnesses. But they're not the only cult to have been inspired by this script. Why is it that this script is so popular amongst apocalyptic cults? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, that actually reminds me of something that, that Heaven's Gate, that their members admitted, actually, that, that Herf and, and um, Bonnie Lou admitted. They said they, they went to, to this little church in the middle of nowhere in the 1970s trying to, to make converts. And they said they're the two witnesses. And, and the minister said, no, no, the two witnesses were here last week. <laughs> so there was, someone had beat them to it. So yeah, there were a whole bunch of people. So I mean, so what's going on here is um, I trace it back to this sort of this biblicalism and the success of Hale Lindsay and the late great planet Earth. So there was a number of, of different uh, proponents of sort of going through the book of Revelation chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and ascribing to it whatever the current moment was. So Hal Lindsey had a, had a bestseller called The Late Great Planet Earth, which did this. And he said that when the Bible talks about, you know, the, the whore of Babylon, it's, 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 well, for him, it was the Catholic Church. When it talks about the, the beast with two heads, that's, that's Russia. When he talks about, when it talks about this bowl of wrath, that's the, 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 the invasion of, you know, of Turkey by something else. So it's, everything can line up perfectly. So there's this deep interest among American Christians uh, in the 1970s about reading the book of Revelation and interpreting it and applying it to the world around them. People are still doing this, and this is still around. Um, at least for a while, there used to be a, a website where people would sort of, they would um, they, they would try to sort of line up the book of Revelation to, to everything going on right now. Uh, it's maybe been displaced by all of sort of the QAnon stuff and sort of the um, the more secularized version. But it's, um, in terms of the, the people who are looking for the end of the world, um, there's it's, it's an active thing to do. So, um, yeah, they're, they're part of this trend of looking at the text and saying um, the end of the world is coming. The only difference is they say it's us as opposed to, you know, (laughs) most authors say, you know, we're going to read the book of Revelation and find it all happening out there as opposed to, yeah, it's us. Because, of course, the two witnesses are destined to be murdered. So that's not usually who you want to identify yourself with. Right. (laughs) So... What, what, maybe it's it's part of the 1970s culture. I mean, what is it about this time period that made it such a, a ripe time for this kind of cult to thrive? Yeah, well, so part of it is that that sort of that rebirth of modern evangelicalism and interest in sort of interpreting the Bible and the end of the world stuff. I and mean, that, that was all running through all Christian culture, uh, particularly in the 1970s, uh, this sort of this new interest in apocalypticism. Uh, but at the same time, you also have two other things. You have the emergence of the modern New Age movement, 
with its emphasis on meditation and self-improvement and purification of the self and achieving a higher level of consciousness, uh, getting in touch with sort of deeper vibrations, all of that language Heaven's Gate reached to. And they said what they were teaching was a method to achieve perfection of that, to, 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 to elevate your consciousness and your chakras just right off the planet into outer space. Uh, that There are many paths up the mountain, but they had the path off the mountain was the language they used. So you have the New Age movement. And the other third strand which combines in Heaven's Gate is ufology. The interest in UFOs and space aliens. Uh, and that was in the 1970s really finally coming to fruition. Uh, it started a little before that in the 50s um, was really when it started to, to hit pop culture. But in the 70s, it was really, uh, it, was, it was all throughout. So I think you had uh, all three of those things combining. Now, there's a lot of speculation that Bonnie was the actual leader of the group, even though Applewhite was more of the figurehead, as we know. Um, is there any validity to this? I think so. I've talked to ex-members who've told me that uh, of the two of them, she was the more senior member. Uh, that when they would speak in public, uh, she would he would do most of the talking, but she would correct him if he said something she disagreed with, and then he would defer to her. Uh, but I've also I had an ex-member tell me that, that she was like a spiritual battery. Uh, and that she was the one everyone was really running off of. Uh, Herf was the um, Herf was the flashlighter. He was the you know uh, he was he was he was doing the show. But ultimately, it's only because they were all hooked up to her, and she was the one that uh, that ultimately was um, was the source of it. I would accept this, and I would agree with it. And you see it after her death when Herf elevates her to being. Um, his elder member and, and comes eventually to see himself as as Christ. He says that he's the same being who was Christ, but he's back on earth. And she is the same being that Christ referred to as his father, uh, but she's back in outer space. So she effectively becomes God and he becomes uh-huh. the son uh, within their theology. So how else did Bonnie's death affect Applewhite and the, the rest of the group? This is really contentious. Um, so the... The, the, when they're asked in the 1970s, do you have to die to get onto the UFO and go into outer space, the next level? They say no. And they seem to really clearly believe that the UFO is going to come down, they're going to hover, and they're going to get lifted up onto the UFO. Uh, I go, I'm, you're listening, you can't see my hands. Put your hand up and you can sort of, you can, you can imagine it. All right, so you have, um, uh, you, they're going to be lifted up onto the UFO. This is the rapture. So if you know Christian theology, the rapture, the idea is that the saved are going to be lifted up and they're going to meet with Christ mid-atmosphere, then they're going to fly off to heaven. Uh, so in their rapture model, people are, the, the, the elect, the saved, are, 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 are literally going to meet the UFO and fly off into outer space. So when Nettles dies... And she, her body doesn't go anywhere, and there's no obvious UFO to come pick her up. They have to take a more symbolic reading of this. And that's when they shift to beginning to think that maybe it's their consciousness or their soul. They have different words for it. Their deposit, uh, the, 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 something inside of them rather than their body is going to go into the next level. I, I see this as the beginning of the end, ultimately. This is what opens the door towards eventually suicide. It's what allows it as a possibility. I know this is contentious. There's ex-members who told me, no, this this is not, you know, this was not a change. They had always said it was possible. They might have to leave their bodies behind. I just don't see it in um, in in the textual evidence we have. This seems to be the first time they, 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 have, they grapple with the idea that they may not physically in their bodies go into the next level. Wow. So 
It, it has been revealed that while she was fully entrenched in the cult, Bonnie was still mailing letters to her daughter and even using money for the group to send to her kids uh, for their birthday. Do you think that these that 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 suggests that she wasn't as committed to the group as the other members thought? Was, was there perhaps a turning point where she might have wanted out of the group? Well, there's no way of knowing for sure, and we should note that there's disagreement on this. So her daughter, Terry, firmly believes that she wanted out and, and she just didn't do it. Whereas many ex-members have told me that uh, they thought that she was just, that the Bonnie Lou was simply uh, showing compassion uh, and that she was uh, she was trying to, to help her, her biological daughter, Terry. Um, I think ultimately there's no way to know is the answer to this question. I mean, I, I hate to dodge it, but um, no. my my reading of it is that she was deeply committed because she stayed with the group to her death. Uh, she had many opportunities to leave. Uh, she didn't tell her family that, I mean, she was she was separated and divorced from her husband as well, and she had biological children. She had abandoned when she joined the group. She made no effort to rejoin them when she was on her deathbed. Uh, she left no instructions to contact them. She left no messages for them. Uh, now, was she just in too deep? I, mean, I suppose so. I mean, there, there's no way of knowing. Uh, but the the most surface basic reading is that she was committed, and that's what she did. And, and lacking any evidence to the contrary, I, I guess I'll go with that. Yeah. Well, the group practiced celibacy and forbade relationships amongst its members. How were these rules implemented? And was there a connection to them and Applewhite's struggle with his or society's acceptance of his sexuality? Yeah, so Applewhite's, uh, there's multiple, multiple layers of this. So first of all, Applewhite did struggle with his sexuality. Uh, he came ultimately to reject all sexuality. It wasn't just his bisexuality, his gayness, which, which upset him. Although that's certainly part of it living closeted in the 1970s in Texas, clearly had you know, pretty severe ramifications. Rather, it was the fact that of all the people in the world he could theoretically date, which is everyone being bisexual, he was unable to work out anything with anyone. And he just found as if relationships on the human level, sexual relationships, were disappointing, were bound to, to lead to failure. And that's mm. really what he was walking away from. And that's what he taught. And that's what Bonnie taught. Bonnie Lou, who was not bisexual, she was heterosexual. She was only married uh, to, uh, attracted to, as far as we know, to men. But she had the same experience, that, that her marriage was, was unsatisfactory, unsat- unsatisfactory. Her family life was unsatisfactory. Uh, and that the best thing to do is to abandon their sexuality, to abandon their families, to abandon human romantic relationships, and instead embrace platonic relationships and student-teacher relationships and, and student-student relationships. So just exist sort of on a level of trying to overcome their humanity. That's what they called for, and that's what they preached. And as far as we can tell, that's what they stuck with. Uh, there's no evidence that they ever had anything other than a platonic relationship. Uh, there were members of Heaven's Gate who screwed up. Um, who, who did have sex in or out of the group. Uh, they, were, they were told this is not acceptable. Some were kicked out. Others uh, resolved the situation. Some left of their own accord. But this was a hard and fast rule. No sexuality. Uh, sens- they called it no sensuality. No sensuality. Even to yes. talk about sex is problematic. So don't even say sex. No sensuality. No senses. Right. And, and so did this have a connection to... Um, uh, the, the word is escaping me. Castrated? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Jeez. 
Uh, yeah, it did. So there were um, there, there are different stories about this. Uh, all the people who, who who really know for sure are no longer with us. But um, the um, there were several members of Heaven's Gate who felt as if uh, men uh, felt as if maintaining their celibacy was too difficult. Um, that they were having problems with uh, with controlling their desires. That they were having. Um, uh, wet dreams, that they were having, you know, these urges to masturbate, that they were unable to control their sexuality. And uh, different ex-members have told me differently. Sawyer's recount is, is probably the best because he was, uh, he said he was there, is that uh, there was a particular member who said he volunteered. He went to Doe and said, I would like to Applewhite. He went to Applewhite and said, I would like to be, to be um, castrated so I don't have to have these urges anymore. Would you permit it? And um, Doe said yes, and um, they, they did it themselves initially, which was uh, uh, probably not a wise move on multiple levels. Uh, right. So the 90s were a time where we saw a big emergence of paramilitary groups driven by anti-government sentiment and a rise in religious cults. We had Waco, which was a, a major one of these. Um, would you say that Waco inspired or helped revitalize uh, Apple White's recruitment of more followers? Or how did this uh, have a part in it? I don't think Waco really impacted the recruitment of followers, but it, it impacted him in terms of thinking about uh, two things. One is the idea that the, the government was out to get them, and that the government had failed them, and that they were going to be persecuted, and it, it enhanced this idea of persecution. The other was he was impressed by the way in which members of the Branch Davidians would rather die than be taken prisoner. Uh, by a government and forced to recant of their religious identity. Uh, he wondered if uh, members of Heaven's Gate, of his group, the class, they called it, would be willing to do the same thing. Uh, they bought into, members of Heaven's Gate bought into a broad array of conspiratorial thinking. Uh, they did believe in UFOs, of course, so they believed that in, in Area 51 and the Roswell incidents and all this stuff that there was a big government cover-up. So they already bought into the idea of government cover-up, but it became even more intense post-Waco. They believed the government not just was covering up the evidence, evidence of UFOs, but was allied with evil forces, uh, with evil extraterrestrials, and was actively trying to persecute the few people who knew the truth about the next level, about the, the salvific role that the, you can find in extra in outer space. In a way, these conspiracy theories, they probably had an effect on them. Yeah, they definitely did. And, and they were rooted in conspiratorial thinking. And people often ask me, why is it Heaven's Gate is, is still resonant today? Why is it, why was there a podcast? Why is there an HBO series? Yeah. Why is CB, I think, and there ABC's coming out with one next, um, uh, next month, I think. Um, we can't get enough. I know. Well, I, I, I mean, there's a lot going on, but I think part of it is they were so prescient, right? I mean, at the time, people thought this was crazy. They had a website. I mean, who had a website back then? They were into computers. They were into all this, um, this conspiracy stuff. They thought there was, this wasn't their words, but they thought there was a deep state. They thought there was sort of this, you know, that there was a, the government was out to get them, these conspiracies. You know, this is, this is now, this has gone from the, the most wacky of alternatives to being the right of the heart of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think they were really onto something. Uh, yeah. So how, how did the internet aid in the cult success? 
I mean, at that point, it was like AOL and Heaven's Gate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, they were, uh, ironically, it probably contributed to the end. Uh, they really tried to reach out through the internet. They posted to Usenet, which is like a bulletin board system. So only, only your ancient listeners like me will <laughs> remember Usenet. Um, it was a message board system arranged by topics. So they posted to topics having to do with science and science fiction, UFOs, uh, futurism, uh, Christianity, religion. And they posted their messages and they were met with ridicule. Uh, they, they were met completely ridicule. Um, they got one member, actually they got two members uh, who, who, who joined after their internet posts, uh, but one of them left. Um, so at the end, the 39 members, only one had joined by, by the internet, but mostly they met with ridicule. And um, from what I can tell, this is part of what led them to, to embrace their exits was the idea that they had tried their best. They had reached out Every way they could. They had newspaper advertisements. They had meetings. Uh, they had a satellite television broadcast series. Uh, they had reached out on the internet. They had a website. They had a book. And they were unable to get more than one person to join in, wow. in their last few years using, using, this, you know, using this new internet technology. And I think that's part of what drove them to think that they had to give up on the earth, that, that we had, they had tried, out, tried the best they could that we had rejected them, and their mission was over. Um, they always saw themselves as not belonging here. Uh, the metaphor they used was the away team. So if you've seen Star Trek, um, and I'm, I'm a Star Trek fan, so I, I, I get this, um, um, they, they call themselves the away team. The away team were the people who left the ship and went down to the planet to do something. But at the end of the episode, they went back up to the ship. So beam me up, Scotty, back they go. So they saw themselves as this. So they were from outer space, they were from a ship, and they were here on our planet to do something. And at the end of the day, at the end of the episode, they had to go back to the ship. And they had always wanted to leave the Earth. And I think in 1997, they were looking for any possible way to mark the end of, of their time here on Earth, to end, end their episode, so to speak, to use that metaphor. And they found it in Hellbop. It's interesting that the internet was actually their undoing where, you know, we, we usually, we connect with the Heaven's Gate with the internet because of their website, because they, you know, were that, but really it was their lack of success with the internet. Yeah, that's my reading of it. And I, I remember I ran across them. Um, I, I read um, Usenet forums. I was looking at one of the, it was a Star Trek one. I remember running across it and thinking these people are, are crazy. And I, I think I thought that, I mean, I was, I was not looking for for religion to study online i was i was reading um star trek forums and um they were one among many other people who posted irrelevant things and it was off topic and it was marked as off topic and people would ignore it <laughs> and i don't know i didn't post ridicule but i i but i've i've read the archives and i see people did post you know ridicule in response um i think you're right i think it's uh, it, it's such a it's such a fascinating part of the story so you have actually devoted a lot of time and research into understanding how and why uh, Heaven's Gate members, uh, why, why this cult attracted its members. Can you speak to that a bit? And was there something that they had in common that drew them to Heaven's Gate? Yeah, they were a diverse group. Um, they, uh, so first of all, many of them joined in the 70s. Uh, so most members joined in the 70s, and then there were a few who joined in the 80s and 90s. But by the time of the suicides, the exits, as they called them, in 97, there were people who had been members for 20 years. So maybe they joined when they were young, but they were middle-aged by the time they were, 
Um, they committed the exits. Um, they were all ages. Um, they were both genders. Uh, they were gay. They were straight. They were bi. Uh, they were white. They were black. They were Latinx. Um, they were deeply interested in Christianity, and there were others who were not, who were interested more in the UFO angle. Uh, there were some who were into sort of New Age practices, crystals and meditations and healings, and others who thought that was frou-frou nonsense. What united all of them was they were seekers. They didn't feel like they belonged in the spiritual, religious uh, milieu they were brought up in. They thought they belonged somewhere else, and they couldn't find it until they found Heaven's Gate. Many of them had tried other new religions. They had tried different meditative techniques. They had tried drugs. They had tried communes. They had, uh, they had tried all sorts of stuff. And then they found in Heaven's Gate what they were looking for. So they were seekers. That's the one thing that unites them. And they felt like they didn't belong and they felt like they were rejected by the planet and they rejected the planet. Uh, they were people who, who felt as if they just didn't belong. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that many of them were, were people who, who, who just didn't fit in. Uh, and... I think to me that's one of the most touching human parts of the story is uh, that they were people who felt alienated and they then alienated themselves. Literally, they saw themselves as alien. Yeah. yeah. So, so there were, there some, were some members, members who actually, actually didn't participate in the suicide, suicide but continued to have strong beliefs in the aftermath. What was their thinking at that point? Yeah. There are some ex-members who are still very active online, who actually still believe um, and who um, uh, see themselves as speaking for uh, for the group. And there's others who I'm not sure if they believe or not, but they still they still speak up, and you can still find them around uh, speaking about their time in the group. Um, this was their family. Uh, so for some of the people who no longer are believers, uh, imagine 39 of your closest uh, friends and family, the people you spent decades with, uh, not just have exited the planet, but have been dismissed as wackos, as crazy, as brainwashed, as deluded, as lunatics, as, 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 as uh, unwanted. Uh, Ted Turner, who owns CNN, I mean, when, when he was asked about this in 1997, he said it's a good way to get rid of a few wackos. I mean, that was basically in his, I mean, I, I'm, I'm mangling the quote, you can look it up, I think he said crazies, yeah. but I mean, he was wow. very dismissive. Um, imagine, th th this is how people talk about the people you love. Um, so yeah, they, they, they speak for them. Um, some are true believers, but some aren't, but they still, they want to speak for the, for those who are, um, who they spent time with, um, their, their family effectively. Uh, there were some who left. Uh, so there were several ex-members who, uh, were still believers and they also committed their own exits in some cases, months, in some cases, years after, um, after the main exits. Um, yeah. Finally, at the end of the day. We have to ask this question. If you had to pick one person or thing, it can be a concept, um, that is to blame for Heaven's Gate, who or what would that be? Ooh, interesting question. Uh, for the founding of the group or for the ultimate, for the exits? I think for the exits. It's a great question because the only people who know for sure aren't with us anymore it was Hale-Bopp that precipitated the end, this, uh, the, the sighting of the comet and the claims that there was a companion, a UFO behind it. But the only reason they took that seriously is they believed in conspiracy theories. So when people called into Art Bell and said, NASA is covering this up, that there's secretly a planet-sized UFO following the comet and the government is keeping you from seeing it, they believed it because they believed in conspiratorial thinking. And I think that's it. I think it was their conspiratorial thinking, the fact that they bought into the idea there were nefarious forces working beneath the surface 
of the government, of society, of television, of culture, of media, of religions that were controlling things and actively working against them, that's what did it. And I, do I have to get too presentist and political? No, that's a, a perfect answer. In fact, well, let's just leave it at there, right? I, I, we were circling around that. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it's so interesting. It makes it so relevant to today. Um, and I think that's why we're so fascinated, really. And I think you're right. That's what's fascinating. What makes Heaven's Gate, what's kept me studying it, though, these 20 years, th- these, are, these are peaceful people. Um, these were mm-hmm. people who were deep believers, but ultimately they were, I mean, they were individualist, very individualistic in that way. For them, it was about their individual metamorphoses. That's what they called themselves, human individual metamorphoses. It was about their transformations. But they were kind people. They were people mm-hmm. who saw themselves on a journey and they wanted to share it with the people around them. And the conspiratorialism we have today is of a much darker, more violent, frightening variety than what I see in Heaven's Gate. Hmm. Well, Dr. Zeller, I'm so glad we got to talk to you. Thank you so much for speaking with us. It's a pleasure. It's always fun to talk Heaven's Gate and UFOs. <laughs> with us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Amanda. And uh, fact checker, Chris Smith. Call me Fa. Fa? Oh, I see. Because of oh, the like do re mi. Do, do re mi fa. Who do you want to be, Amanda? Do. Um, I guess I'll be me. I was going to have me. Okay, you can have <laughs> you it. You can both be me. <laughs> me do you know what? You be me and I'll be me me. <laughs> That's beautiful, Chris. Nice um, voice. <laughs> Thank you. Now, what about uh, Dr. Zeller? I mean, I'm so Glad we had awesome. him on the show. He was awesome. That was a great get. We were very lucky he took the time to talk to us. And he made some great points. Excellent oh. points. Guys, the first thing I thought of, I have to come out of the gate with this. Like, I'll come out at I'll I'll throw the suggestion out there like a comet. We missed Hail Bob. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm How sure did we miss? Was screaming. <laughs> you know, I, I had to say it crossed my mind and I just like forgot to bring it up in the episode. Like it, it did. It, it just like the comet flew across the sky. It flew in and out of my brain while we were recording. Amanda, you're an excellent engineer, but a, as a producer, honestly... <laughs> You, you, there's a little bit something to be desired. Well, look, what no. are you talking about? I'm the one who didn't even bring it up. I mean, we, I think we got a little too, uh, you know, involved or too uh, focused on the fact that Amanda was an Art Bell fan and then kind of forgot about the, yeah, the, the comment. Hell-bop, yeah. There's so many, there's so many monosyllabic words too that we had to deal with. There's Doe and T and Art and Bell that Hail and Bop just slipped through the cracks. <laughs> I don't see that, Chris. <laughs> it, it was an oversight. It was an oversight, but that's why we do the aftermath episode yeah. so we can correct. And so, yes, yeah. I definitely wrote down Hail Bop. Yeah. <laughs> I also, you know, I there were a few things that I think we left out, but the two that are, you know, uh, at the top of my list are self-improvement and the new age movement yeah. of yeah, the 70s. Yeah, the modern new age movement. I mean, that that was such a big part of why this 
uh, Heaven's Gate was thriving, mm-hmm. at, you know, at the time that it did. And another thing I wrote down was um, her uh, Bonnie Bonnie Lou Nettles' death. It, he, you know, Doctor Zeller said it was the beginning of the end because no UFO came. So if if she hadn't died, you know, we we always we were like speculating, you know, well maybe she wouldn't have let it happen, or who knows what would have happened. But if she hadn't died, then they wouldn't have had that doubt. Right. We were on the right track, but for the wrong reasons. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As always. As happens often. <laughs> but at least we're on the right track. Now, he called um, Bonnie the spiritual battery. So I thought that was mm. really interesting and also showed why after she was gone, they sort of had nothing left to sustain them in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there was a, yeah, not only did the UFO not come, but they were, there was a, a, a gap. It, there was a, a, a void. A and, void. And speaking of that, like it just is becoming more and more clear that this whole situation is all about connection. And these people mm. who, as he said, which I also brought up in the episode, were seekers. <laughs> and it made, yes, seekers. Think, mm-hmm, it made me think we could have put something up on the board, such as the loneliness of the human experience. Mm. <gasps> yeah you know you're born alone and you die alone amanda that's what they say <laughs> Jeez, louise not only can you not take your things but you can't take your partners or your friends Ooh, that's <laughs> or may- maybe that's what he was they were trying to do well we're not on die alone we're on day four of a two-week quarantine in canada <laughs> rebecca and i dark. are now because we're <laughs> i have a job here and it's um you know what the loneliness of the human experience is really, I'm, I'm really glad you're here and I'm really glad we get to do this podcast and I get to spend time with the beloved Alarmy and talking to you guys because the loneliness of the human experience is, it's overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, and imagine that, you know, need or that 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 desire to seek um, and, and when, you, when one is lonely and having that compounded by internet trolling. Which is, it sounds like that's what was happening yeah. to them. You know, they were putting themselves out there. They were going onto these sites or these message boards that were for like, quote unquote, like like-minded people, people who like Star Trek, and they were putting out their ideas, and they were being totally rejected mm-hmm. and being made fun of. The internet's been mean for a long time. Since it's, <laughs> I, I would say, since its inception. Well, don't forget Zuck, our buddy, our old buddy Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg. The Facebook started out as HotOrNot.com. Oh yeah. God, I have what a lot a of feelings turd. about him. I, I did uh. jot down while he was talking about their relationship with the internet. Um, I wrote down the desperation for new members reminds me of trying to get people to rate and review this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No matter we'll what get you get, like one or two. No matter what you do, how many flyers you send, I'm about uh, ready to, you know, log off. Log off. <laughs> no, it, it make your exit. No, no. And, um, and actually, that being said, we since the last time we did the desperate plea, we did get um, a handful of really nice reviews. So thank you to everyone who took the time. And if you didn't take the time, I'll just remind you, it's not too late. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nothing's going to stop you. Amanda, no. you're the battery. Yes, you're, you are the battery. You're the T. What is she again? T. She's, she's T. Yeah, you're the yeah, T. You're, you're the T. Battery. You are. I, you're right. You're the T. I'm the dough. And Chris is the dough dough. No, no, I'm just You're the guy who requested to be castrated. <laughs> I just can't control my urges. <laughs> Gosh, that's got to be tough. I mean, that seemed like a really interesting element of this whole thing. And you know what the other thing, too, was that you also called out to Amanda, which was that you we were all feeling, but you, you called it out, Amanda, was the sympathy for these people or empathy of for these people who just seemed like, you know mild-mannered you know yeah. people who just wanted some wanted some answers they wanted some sense of community and they wanted some answers they weren't out to do any harm or anything like that and that's what's so sort of compelling and so sad about the story it is sad i i do feel uh, i'm glad we talked to uh, dr zeller because it, he he really brings out like the compassion that is really necessary when looking at these uh you know these people who were just you know they felt out of place and we're just seeking community and connection. And, you know, I will say the, that, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just think it's got a, it's a complicated matter because I can't imagine being in the shoes of the, of the families who lost loved ones because of this, you know, organization that, you know, they felt took them away, you and know. I understand. And it's like... It's just hard. In this case, I feel like even um, the two people at the top were true believers. And so it's when you put it side by side with um, a Waco or a Nexium yeah. or some of these other cults that really there were distinct like victims and persecutors. It's not clear cut like that with Heaven's Gate. And if anything, no. like they were a family and this was a group decision that sort of evolved because um, this was a group, like he was saying, there was only one new member. Most of them had been together since the 1970s. So I think in a lot of ways, their sort of manifesto was almost like evolved and everyone had a little input in it. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but but that's why, I mean, personally, I'm feeling a little bit sad about sending Doe and T to jail. <laughs> what it, I don't know. What did. And he talked a lot about conspiratorial thinking, which is so relevant right now yeah i don't know it is and what he said was true that the you know they they were they fell for this conspiracy theory like their their lane of conspiracy theory is so different than today's what's happening today where it feels much more violent and uh angry you know, for yeah. them, it was like, you know, UFOs and like possible life <laughs> outside still of still look earth. at the outcome. Like so many people died. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I feel like conspiracy theories, especially right now, are just really deserve some sort of punishment. They really are dangerous in my in my view. And I liked you know? what he said, conspiratorial thinking, because that's mm -hmm. the mindset that allows someone to, you know, just ignore facts. Yes, and I think that's what we were searching for in a way because we kept saying the conspiracy theorist. It wasn't like conspiracy theory. Mm. And it's not the conspiracy theorist like we had up on the board. I think it's conspirator conspiratorial thinking. Yeah. I do, look, I still think that at the end of the day, even though they were true believers, I still think they led a group of people to accept 
you know, that this kind of, you know, I don't know, as a leader, you want to make sure everyone is okay. And I know that in their mind, they were thinking, you know, Doe was thinking that they were going to be okay. This was the best thing for them. But if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. If, 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 if he wasn't there and he wasn't leading them, then I don't know where they would be, right? But they might still be after here. they exited, the members continued to exit. The other ones. Yeah. Oh, 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 you mean the, yes. The, the so group of nine that we think should so, have left. So I'm, I'm saying after they had killed themselves, the members who didn't take part in that initial round for years afterward were continuing to kill themselves. Yeah, yeah. So Doe wasn't like twisting their arm. Here's what I think. I think that we should, I might, this might get a little messy, but tell me what you think. I think we should send conspiratorial, conspiratorial thinking to jail and give Doe and T the big slap. And the Bible gets away with it once again. I mean, the freaking Revelations eleven. Well, shout out also to, and I, I, I'm, I'm leaning that way too because I, 
I, I'm pretty sick of conspiratorial thinking at this point. I'm sick of hearing about QAnon. I'm sick of hearing about these people who just don't accept facts as facts. So I, I'm well, well into putting conspiratorial thinking in prison. But I also wanted to give a shout out to, he mentioned Hal, this Hal Lindsey, the late great planet earth which i didn't i didn't know about that and i have to like look into that a little bit more but um apparently it's a type of uh bible study which applies the bible to events that take place in real life is that what he was saying yeah yeah well i looked it up it it was a guy right and so he right he was basically i don't know we'll have to look into it a little bit more he's a christian zionist and a dispensa dispensa oh my gosh this word dispensationalist what is that? It's mean? almost like castration, the word I couldn't think of. <laughs> that was a great moment. <laughs> I was like, may- maybe I am a prude. While it was happening, I was like, uh, I think I am a prude. <laughs> you couldn't get it out. <laughs> I guess it's like, okay, so certain parts of the Bible are meant to be applied to certain times in history. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a, interesting. Like certain concept. principles are meant for certain times in history, I guess it's like. Huh. I yeah, mean, there's we should more look in more to that. That sounds like yeah. there's some some other disaster wrapped up in that. But what do you think <laughs> about? Um, oh, I'm sure a lot of disasters are wrapped up in that. <laughs> what do you think about this new verdict, Chris? I think your your game. Yeah, I'm on board. I, I I'm I'm so sick of the conspiracy conspiratorial thinking. It's because because to me, and I haven't really formulated this thought yet, but like. To me, like, okay, it's one thing to challenge ideas. And, okay, you watch TV or you watch the news and, yeah, you believe it, but you take it with a grain of salt. It's like, whatever happened to just taking things with a grain of salt? Okay, like, maybe that's not entirely true. Or maybe that reporter got a few things wrong. Or, like, maybe there's a few things wrong about this. But to to deny facts and to go on and on and press forward and forward until you are fully satisfied with all the right answers. Well, that's just certainty on the other end. So I'm not saying accept everything you you hear as true, okay? Because don't do that either. But the other end of that is don't stop until everything you you believe you know everything like that's what's fucked up about conspiratorial thinking is like reframing events so that they fit your whatever you want to hear yeah well and that's what in a way that's what cults have been doing with the with this particular book of the vibe of the bible yeah and so (laughs) it it is kind of hard to let i mean i would want to send conspiratorial thinking to jail and let the slap sit where it is on the book <laughs> of revelation the bible yeah but then we're not then we're not we're letting uh, off dough and tea and this Which, is just my i just feel like they're they weren't gaining anything like financially or um true like ego wise by this exit I, I like that's the only reason why i don't it's, it's interesting. Except for, except for perhaps, and I don't know, this is all speculation. We don't know what they were thinking, obviously. But there's a, there's a part of me that can't stop thinking about perhaps he wanted, he wanted to leave, whether it was his ego that like he knew the UFO wasn't coming or he felt like he was going to get caught at a certain point where he, he couldn't continue this charade essentially of him being one of these prophets, um, where he wanted to end it. And perhaps he was afraid to do it alone. 
And perhaps that's why he brought along other people. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's definitely true. And deep down, they all felt that way. <laughs> Everyone in right. that group. But that's kind of how I feel of like, they all maybe deep, deep, deep down thought like, let's just grab onto this opportunity with the hail Bob comet. It's true. I, I, I take your point where it's not like it was forced on them. And in, in they, I mean, of course, you could say there was peer pressure. Yeah, but and I do think it, that was true. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't forced on it, like perhaps some other, you know, like Waco or, you know, the, these um, these other cults that uh, thrive on the violence that the leader, you know, the, these people are scared. But there wasn't you know? that level of coercion. No. Um, Look, no. maybe a few days, because we recorded our original episode a few days ago, so maybe a few days in the alarmist prison did some good for Doe and T. <laughs> it shook some sense into them. And, you know, m- maybe they'll yeah. come out of there and they'll be like, you know what, we got to straighten out, okay? Uh-huh. Okay. And I mean, we've got to. And, and that's just my opinion. So, yeah. Rebecca, I do defer to you. And I actually think they're all really good options. But. Okay. So, I'll let, obviously, you make. No, I understand. I'm going to let so, you do your thing. I'm, I'm definitely. <laughs> got to let her do her thing. <laughs> I got to let both of you do your things. <laughs> um, thank you. I appreciate it, Amanda. Um, so, okay. I think I'm going to call it. And I, I think the slap remains. I think the slap remains. And I agree with you both. I think conspiratorial thinking, you're going to the alarmist jail. Yeah. All right, you're free. Doe and T, you're free. You guys um, have somebody to come pick you up? Because <laughs> there's not a bus stop here for miles. They've got a UFO, Chris. <laughs> come on. Oh, they <laughs> got the hail bop. <laughs> coming to pick you up yeah when does that come back by again like another i don't know four thousand years <laughs> it's a long time i'll, I'll get him. i'll grab him on my way i gotta go run some errands you gotta so go i'll okay, pick him you up gotta run, run some errands i'll well, drive him around you guys thank you so much for listening to this episode and you know thank you to dr zeller and Of course, you're going to want to tune in next week because we are covering the 2013 DACA garment factory collapse. Now, this was recommended so that we could finally get the fashion industry in the alarmist jail. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.